So turn with me now to the book of 1 Thessalonians. This is part two of living to please God. Remember as a child, maybe you had a very good relationship with your, with your earthly father and you always wanted to do what was pleasing in their sight. And a lot of us had very, very good mothers, did we not? That did the best they could. And we tried to honor them the best they could. You know what's amazing? In the scripture it says, one of the commandments, you are to what? To honor your mother and father. And maybe you come from a background like I came from where a father was very, very troubled. He dealt with a lot of psychiatric problems. And he could not always be there for me or my brother and my sister. But to know and understand the love of the father you got to look beyond your earthly parents from time to time. And the Lord heals what our earthly parents make mistakes. And if you're honest, we also make mistakes. And it's amazing if God gives us the blessing of being able to get married and to have children, if we're truly honest, we've also made mistakes. But know this, that we are to live a life that is pleasing to our Heavenly Father. He fully equips us and gives us all that we need so that we can walk in victory. And so if you look at today's message from that perspective, it's a very delicate message, but it's a needed message. How we as believers are to live today, even though the world wants us to live a different way. But who's will do we desire to do but to please our Heavenly Father. Let us begin in First Thessalonians chapter number one and verse excuse chapter number four and verse number one. So that we can understand this in the full context that this letter was written. Therefore, brothers, I add sisters here, okay? I don't think the Lord's gonna strike me down. But some translation, therefore brethren, okay, or it kind of puts everyone together, just as you have learned from us how to live in order to please God, and just as you're living this way now, we ask you indeed, united with Messiah Yeshua, we urge you to keep doing so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you on the authority of the Lord Yeshua. What God wants is that you be holy, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to manage his sexual impulses in a holy and honorable manner, without giving into lustful desires, like the pagans who don't know God. No one should wrong his brother in this matter or take advantage of him because Yeshua punishes all who do such things as we have explained to you before at length. For God did not call us to live an unclean life but a holy one. Therefore, whoever rejects this teaching is rejecting not man but God. Indeed, the one whom gives the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, 
which is his. Concerning love for the brothers, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do it even more. Also make it your ambition to live quietly, to mind your own business and to earn your living, but by your own efforts, just as we told you. Then your daily life will gain the respect of outsiders and you will not be dependent on anyone. And so today we're going to focus on the last six verses. I went into greater depth in the first six verses on part number one. And I encourage anyone who's listening online on the podcast at a later date, once this is recorded, please watch them in succession. Otherwise, you will not get the fullness of the teaching. And so now I ask you now to turn with me to 1 Corinthians and chapter number 7. We'll be beginning in verse number 1 in the book of Corinthians. You know what's amazing? When you stop and think that there were 13 letters that Rav Shaul wrote to these various congregations, if you would eliminate those 13 letters, how much of a New Testament would you have? There would be very, very few books, would there not? And so with this, we, we will see what the Apostle Paul, who rubbed shoulders with these people, he wasn't the kind of person that just simply led somebody to the Lord and then left. If he was given opportunity that he was not being persecuted at that time and setting, he would spend some time with these individuals. He would begin discipling them. And remember, these people were coming from these cultural backgrounds that did not know the one true and living God. And so there was a lot of correction that was being needed. Because remember, these were brand new babes in Messiah. Small children, even toddlers, who were beginning to learn what was right and what was wrong. And if you think of it from that perspective, adults... Technically not knowing their right hand from their left hand. They need instruction on what is proper, what is safe, and what brings unity within the body of Messiah. Because the culture and the traditions they came out of was very, very perverted. And so now they're being asked to live a holy and pleasing life before God. And so when you think of it from that perspective... We get a greater understanding. And I know in the world we live today, they have different opinions and definitions of what a male or a female is and their interactions with one another. But we want to be taught by the creator who created all human beings. He's established marriage. He's established how a family is to walk in unity in right, proper, holy, loved one towards another. And that's not just for your nuclear family, but also extends to the, the body, extended body of Messiah. How we're to walk in unity and respect and showing one another honor. So here we are in 1 Corinthians. 
We're in chapter 7, and we'll begin here in verse number 1. Now to deal with the questions you wrote about. See, there was communication going on between this congregation and the Apostle Paul. It is good for a man to keep away from a woman. Well, because of danger of sexual immorality. Let each man have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Then the husband should give his wife what she is entitled to in the marriage relationship. And the wife should do the same for her husband. The wife is not in charge of her own body, but her husband is. Likewise, the husband is not in charge of his body, but his wife is. Do not deprive each other except for limited time by mutual agreement and then only so as to have extra time for prayer. But afterwards, come together again. Otherwise, because of the lack of self-control, you may succumb to the adversary's temptation. I'm giving you this as a suggestion, not a command. Actually, I wish everyone were like me, but each of you has his own gift from God. One this, another that. Now, to the single people and to widows, I say that it is fine if you remain unmarried, like me. But if they can't exercise self-control, they should get married because it is better to get married than to keep burning with sexual desire. I don't know how clear that word is. And we see how God has established the framework in both the nuclear family and also as the extended family, part of the body of Messiah. And so here, let's look at this a little bit deeper. It is good for a man to keep away from a woman. That is to be celibate. And so in evaluating Shaul's teaching here, one must consider the circumstances from which he wrote. And now I would like you to consider this. At least some of the Messianic community in Corinth had emerged from a wildly pagan background. Continuing, Shaul tailored his remarks to this, uh, his audience, who were still babies. They were new in Yeshua. So far as experience within the Messiah Yeshua is concerned. Next, so providing clear-cut rules, since he could not count on their discernment to develop appropriate responses, and the tone of the whole chapter 7 of Corinthians is governed by the underlying sense of urgency that pertained to the particular situation that was going on in Corinth. And when you think about how society is changing today, that message that was sent to this Corinthian body of believers that was mixed to both Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah, as they came together, they were to show honor and respect one towards another. And they were not to bring in the practices of their former pagan worship in any shape or form to be part of that body. Otherwise, they would be removed from that body. They would be disciplined, and disciplined in the desire for them to be reconciled, for them to come and allow the Spirit of the living God to speak to their hearts and minds on how God desired for them 
to live. So continuing here, when a person commits sexual sin, they wrong someone else. God will punish that person's conduct. Now, as we look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 through 8, Rav Shaul gives us further instruction and insight. Because I know this today, as you're dealing with people, as people are changing, and how many people are now are apostatizing away, they're, they're, they're now fleeing away from what God's word had taught, because they say, well, the Supreme Court has ruled on this, or so-and-so winks at this. We're to follow the instruction from God through his apostles and his prophets who spoke not of their own desire or plan, but they were inspired by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to share what is God's design, God's plan, and what is acceptable in his sight. So in 2 Thessalonians 1.8, it says this, then he, Yeshua, will punish those who don't know God. That is, those who do not listen to the good news of our Lord Yeshua and obey it. And who's going to deal with that? Yeshua himself. We belong to him. And he'll call us into account. Praise be unto God. So Paul has now Rav Shaul has now underscored this emphasizing God's call on the Messianic believer's life. God did not call us to be impure, but to love each other. Now let us turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Now remember who wrote this letter also was Rav Shaul. And it's amazing, God chose this one individual to speak in great ways pertaining to these subjects of holy living. Did he use some of the other apostles from time to time? Absolutely. But the Lord chose by the Spirit to cause Rav Shaul to give us God's guidelines, which are eternal, for our God does not change. Romans 12.10 declares this, Love each other devotely and with brotherly love. And set examples for each other in showing respect. Now that's just not, please consider this. That's, this is how you're to live. Continuing. Now let us look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 12 and verse number 14. Messianic Jews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Keep pursuing shalom. Notice that. It says, do not keep pursuing riches or status, but keep pursuing shalom, that is peace. Let us continue. With everyone. And the holiness without which no one will see the Lord Yeshua. Are you saying, Rabbi Frank, if I just live a, a double-minded life and I have my one foot in God's kingdom and I have my other foot in this world, 
that one day I may not see Yeshua? Well, what does God's word say? God's word is very, very clear. We're to live a life of holiness. And this holiness is not something through our own definition. God's word defines what holiness is. We do not. And if we do want to walk in holiness with God, it's not through our own efforts because we'll fail. But by allowing the Spirit to continue the sanctification work in our hearts and minds. That's why the Lord says, take every thought captive. See, the entrance into our, in, our, in our beings is both through our eyes and our thoughts. And that's the frontal attack that Hasatan desires. Because he wants to do is to, to separate us from God. And how does he do that? By uh, encourage our old nature to continue to go after the things of this world. And to entertain these things in our minds and our hearts that will later produce sin. That's why God's word says to take every thought captive. Because we have the mind of Messiah that the Lord is transforming in our minds and hearts. So continuing here. Now let us look nearby. And this is in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Kepha, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse Number 14, as people who obey God, do not let yourselves be shaped by the evil desires that you used to have when you were still ignorant. On the contrary, follow the Holy One who called you and become holy yourselves in your entire way of life. Since the Tanakh says, you are to be holy because I am holy. And where was that quoted from first by the prophets who were there to put together the Tanakh, who later Moshe actually wrote? This is from Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44 and 45. Also Leviticus chapter 19 and verses 20 and 7. Excuse me, Leviticus. Yeah, I got that one right there. 19, verse 2 and 20, verse two, two and, and 20, verse 7. Thank you, Alan. I have all my, my handwriting in there jammed together. So that was Leviticus chapter 11, verses 45, 44 and 45. And also Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2. In Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 7. Next, now let us look to the book of 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 and 23. And this is what it says here. Notice that these last two were also apostles, but they desired for people to walk in holy living. See, there was unity between the apostles. Continuing here. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love each other. That was verse number 11. Now we'll drop down to verse 23. This is his, Yeshua's command, that we are to trust in the person and the power of his son, Yeshua, the Messiah, and keep loving one another 
just as he has commanded us. Praise be unto God. There is so much in Scripture. So continuing here. Next, the ability to abide by Abba, Father God's sexual ethic. And so turn with me now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3 through 7. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3 through 7. What God wants is that you be holy, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to manage his sexual impulses in a holy and honorable manner without giving into lustful desires like the pagans who don't know God. No one should wrong his brother in this matter or take advantage of him because the Lord punishes all who do such things as we have explained to you before at length. For God did not call us to live an unclean life, but a holy, holy one. Therefore, whoever rejects this teaching is rejecting not man, but God. Indeed, the one who gives you the Ruach HaKodesh, Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, which is his. And so this comes from the indwelling of the Ruach. Do you know, literally, the third part of the triune God dwells within you? You know, there are times when believers forget about that. And that's why scripture says, he that dwells within you is greater than he, and who's that other he? The adversary who dwells in this world. And so if we will simply yield to him who dwells within us, the Ruach HaKodesh, and allow him to change us, Increment by increment. Just to simply agree. And say, I'm now going to say my eyes. I now make a covenant. My brain, my heart. From the crown of my head to the sole of my foot. Both body, mind, and soul. I now put that on the altar. Before my Messiah. And I give my life as a holy and living sacrifice which is the only acceptable worship to the living God. Remember, that's a holy and a living sacrifice. We're to live all our lives being equipped and empowered and being led by the Ruach HaKodesh. So the indwelling of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, who writes God's law upon our hearts and enables us to obey him. And that wasn't first quoted in the Bred HaDashah. But Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 through 27 says this. I, and who's speaking here? Adonai, will give you a heart, a new heart, and put a new spirit inside you. And I will take out that stony heart and give you a heart of flesh, which is an obedient heart. I will, and that's Adonai speaking, will put my spirit inside you and cause you to live by my laws and respect my rulings and to obey them. See, that's a work of the spirit. 
And so every time we yield to our old carnal nature, we're walking in rebellion and sin against the, the third part of the triune God who dwells within us. And nothing is hidden before him. He gives the power and equips us that when those thoughts come, whatever those thoughts are, that we can take those thoughts and then ask for the Spirit to look at these thoughts and to cleanse us as we capture these thoughts and reject these thoughts. If it's not pleasing as we hear what the Ruach is speaking to us. And you may be saying, Rabbi Frank, well, that's difficult. Yes, it is. Or, well, that's old school. Yes, it is. But it's daily needed because there's a lot of deception going on right now. You're seeing believers, both left and right, who once walked with God, but now have decided that they no longer believe in him. They've written books. They have tapes. They have taught. But of their own choice, they have decided to walk away from the Lord. And we should take this very, very serious. Do we want to honor God with our lives? God does not play games. And that's why he's asking his people to walk in holiness before him. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. And if you truly love him, and you're allowing the spirit of the living God to live out your life in him, and you're allowing that sanctification process to continue, then this should be very, very easy for us to do. Because it reveals our first love. Is it Messiah? Is it God the Father and the Spirit? Or is it not? And we have to make that decision ourselves. So continuing. Praise be unto God. So now let us look at the last two verses here. And I'm going to read them very, very quickly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11. Now, Rav Shaul is now focusing on a different aspect. Let's hear what he has to say by the Spirit. Also make it your ambition to live quietly, to mind your own business, and to earn your own living by your own efforts, just as we told you. Then your daily life will gain the respect of outsiders and you will not be dependent upon anyone. If we're honest, we have lazy tendencies, do we not? Absolutely. There are times when we have to speak to ourselves and encourage ourselves. Some people, they battle with reading scripture daily. Others battle with spending time with the Lord, shutting all off our electron electronic devices. Because, you know, we're getting so fed with all these electronic devices, and they are a blessing, but they take away 
from our quiet time with the Lord and hearing his voice and hearing the Spirit's voice. I remember thinking not too long ago what a blessing it was not to have a cell phone, not to have a computer, and not having a television that actually worked. And where we actually opened up God's word at home or go to a park and would just simply spend time in the presence of the Lord in his creation. We need those times of respite in our lives. Praise be unto God. So the tendency to laziness and dependency was deeply rooted in Thessalonica. And how do we know this? Let us turn now to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3 and beginning at verse number 6. We're in chapter 3, 2 Thessalonians, and here we are in verse number 6. But now Timothy has come to us from you, bringing good news about your trust and love and telling us that you remember us well and are, being long, are always longing to see us, just as we long to see you. Because of this, brothers, in spite of all our trouble and distress, we were comforted. Oh, I'm Thank you, Ellen. I'm in, I'm in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. I want to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 6. Here we are. Thank you, Ellen. Now in the name of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, we command you, brothers, to stay away from any brother who's leading a life of idleness, a life not keeping with tradition you received from us. For you yourselves know how you must imitate us, that we were not idle when we were among you. We did not accept anyone's food without paying. On the contrary, we labored and we toiled both day and night, working so as not to be a burden to any of you. It was not that we hadn't the right to be supported, but so that we could make ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave this command. If someone won't work, he shouldn't eat. We hear that some of you are leading a life of idleness, not busy working and just busybodies. We command such people in union with the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. We urge them to settle down, get to work and earn their own living. And you brothers are doing what is good. Don't slack off. Furthermore, if anyone does not obey what we are saying in this letter, take note of him and have nothing to do with him so that he will be ashamed. But don't consider him an enemy. On the contrary, confront him as a brother and tell him and try to help him change. Now may the Lord of Shalom himself give you shalom always in always. The Lord be with you. And so Rav Shaul deals with laziness here. And these were believers who were walking with the Lord. 
So Shaul's more detailed and strongly detailed wording of instructions that he's given in this matter. So apparently some of the Thessalonica believers expected the return of Yeshua so imminently at any moment that they stopped working. Well, Rav Shaul, you told us he can come back any moment. Well, let's just wait for him to come. Has the Lord ever instructed his people to stop proclaiming the good news, providing for their families, honoring their contracts that they have uh, signed with others for work? Absolutely not. We are to occupy until the Lord takes us. So continuing here. They had stopped working. So in verse 11, to earn your living by your own efforts, just as we told you. So just like the cults, Christian cults, that appear from time to time announcing that Yeshua, Jesus is coming back at such and such date. Remember 1988? The 88 reasons that Yeshua has to come? That was a book. And how many believers ran out and they bought that book and they were sharing with all their friends? And what happened? The Lord didn't come back. That's why in the scripture it says, no one knows the day or the hour. Not even the Son. That's the Father's prerogative. But what are we supposed to be doing? We're to be doing our Father's will. Because we know this, at any moment, he can take us from our occupation, which is to proclaim the good news to every man, woman, and child. We're to have a burden and a love for lost souls. We're not to go and buy all these supplies, build a shelter, a bomb shelter. No, we're to be out proclaiming the good news. We're to be walking in the Father's provision until he comes and gets us. And for some, he'll take us through death. But we're to occupy and not become lazy and become selfish. We're to proclaim the good news. So, these cults say that Jesus is coming back at such and such time. So now go and sell all your goods and head for the hills. The higher you get up, the closer you are, the quicker you'll get there. Is that not ridiculous? Absolutely. What Yeshua's return for his bride had to do with selling one's own possessions or living in the mountains is less than self-evident. So continuing as we complete this. Shaul gives practical instructions for a holy life, encouraging Messianic believers to win the respect of others. And how do we know this? Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, gave greater insight out of Romans chapter 13 and verse 13. This is what it says there. Let us live properly as people do in the daytime, not partying, not getting drunk, not engaging in sexual immorality and other excesses, not quarreling and being jealous. 
Ephesians 4.28 gives us further insight. The thief must stop stealing. Instead, he should make an honest living by his own efforts. This way, he will be able to share with those in need. So think about that. Well, I'm a born-again believer, but, you know, my, my occupation is I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a cat burglar. Well, brother, you've got to quit that occupation. You've got to go out there, roll up your sleeves, and get a job so you can help provide for others and show love and grace. Continuing, Colossians 4.5 speaks even more. Behave wisely towards outsiders. Make full use of every opportunity. 2 Thessalonians 3.11 gives us even more insight. We hear that some of you are leading a life of idleness. Not busy working, just busy bodies. Have you ever been in a congregation where everyone wants to know your business and they're professional gossipers? Stay away from them. They're the busybodies. And so think about this letter that was sent and the, the rabbi that was standing before the congregation, who we know by the scripture here was Timothy, and he was reading this letter to them. Could you see the busybodies, the gossipers shrinking back because the conviction of the Lord came upon their heart? Absolutely. God wants us to grow and let the things of the world be set aside. Praise be unto God. So we're to earn the respect of others. So those outside the body of Messianic believers should see Messianic believers as people of what integrity? who lives can be can now withstand inspection. Nothing in the life of a messianic believer should cause unbelievers to blaspheme God or to question that a messianic believer's devotion to Yeshua. Next, those who those who your ambition is to be to live quietly that is, our heart's desire is not to stir up conflict within the body of Messiah. They live peacefully, even in the midst of trials. You can't be walking with God in holiness and be a troublemaker. First Kepha, First Peter 4.15 declares this. We're, very, we're about to close now. Let none of you suffer from being a murderer or a thief, or an evildoer, or a meddler in other people's affairs. That word is very, very clear. And that's God's instruction to those within the body of Messiah. And so as we hear God's word being proclaimed, it convicts our hearts. That's a good place to be. That's a highly exalted place to be because where the Father speaks to you, he wants the best for you. He corrects us through love and grace and mercy and not through condemnation. He enables us to see ourselves in a mirror and to recognize the words that are proceeding from our mouth. Are they bringing him glory and honor? Or are they displeasing in his sight? Our heart's desire is to do only what is pleasing in our Father's sight. 
To him be all praise and glory and honor. In Yeshua's name, amen.